If you haven't got your Bible open, get it open because we're going to uh, be looking through as we uh, start this new series on Acts. It's an exciting book. It raises lots of uh, things for us to think about. And uh, I hope that you will really enjoy it as God shapes us and moulds us through it. But let's pray that he would help us uh, as we do this. Our loving Heavenly Father, again, we just ask that you would do uh, what I just said, that you would shape and mould us through your word by your spirit, that we would be people who are not just hearers but doers, that we would be people uh, who love uh, people who respond to you, uh, people who love to listen to you, and people who really do trust that you know what's best for us. And so, Lord, today, uh, tonight, I just pray uh, that you would just... Uh, again, shape us that we would be people who represent you very well in this world. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Uh, I'm getting more and more interested in babies just lately. And uh, uh, for, for, for noble reasons, not one that I want, one that I can hand back. But uh, uh, Sue and I, on Monday, even on my day off, we went and visited a, a, uh, our niece's child. And so we went to see them. And uh, it's lovely as you get there and you see this little thing that's only this big, you know, and it's all very cute. Uh, but as you get there, you see that, uh, you know, uh, they've really got ready for the baby. You know, you know, the place is full of stuff that's neat. They just reach over to get what they need. And you know that they've really prepared for all this. Because when you're pregnant, the baby is coming. The baby is coming. And it would be really silly if you didn't get ready. And, and you probably all work it out, but the sort of few things that you do, first thing you do is you set up the room because you've got to find a space for them. So you find a space, something for them to sleep in. And what you usually do is you go out and bludge as much stuff as you can uh, because you know that you know, they're not in them long and they come out and then whatever you can't bludge, you ask your parents to buy that's dear and whatever isn't so dear, well, then you buy. And that's how you get ready for the baby, something like that. Now, Jesus told us, and he told the disciples, that he is coming back. And we can sort of forget that, but what we need to understand, just like a baby, Jesus is coming. Whether we like it or not, whether we get prepared for it or not, he is coming back. He's going to come back when we die, or he's going to come back before we die, but we are going to face him, you are going to see him face to face, and you're going to want to be ready. And it'll be so much more important than a baby, but it's hard to imagine at certain times of your life. And this part, this book of Acts, is really telling us, God telling us, telling his people, I want you to be ready and I want you to get ready, get people ready for my return. Because you don't know when it's going to be. Get ready and help other people to be ready. Well, what is being ready and what does it look like to be doing that is what we're going to begin to look at and what we're going to look at tonight. And so uh, what I want to do, I'm just going to work through this passage tonight. I'm just going to work through the words. So it's really good if you've got it open. Rather than having special points uh, in that sense of really nice and tricky points, we're just going to work our way through it. And uh, the first thing that we, uh, he wants us to know in getting ready is we need to know what Jesus did and we need to know what the book of Acts is about. Otherwise, we'll get lost. And so in verse 1, we have that Jesus began something. And so first one, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. And so what he's saying there, that in his first narrative or his former book, uh, that he'd written another one. So this is Luke. Luke wrote Luke. 
and now Luke writes Acts. Uh, he is a historian. He's got together and he's carefully put together things in chronological order. And so if you're a historical bent, they're all true, the Gospels. But Luke is the one you read when you want to get it in order and with someone with a historical bent. And so Luke is writing that sort of orderly account for us to read. Luke 24 sort of tells us about that book and the next book. Where, and he tells us about what his book is about when he said in verse 46, this is written, the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And that's a great summary of what Luke is about. Uh, his first orderly account is about Jesus's life, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, and all that he taught in that period. That's what that is about. And in the end, we've got to understand that the heart of the message of the Bible is about God's desire for us to be forgiven and the way that he went around and went about making a way for us to be forgiven. He will forgive anyone who responds to Jesus, who died for them, who rose for them. Anyone who will follow him, he will look after. Uh, the Bible will want us to know, God will want us to know that we will need this more than anything else. We don't always feel it. We don't always know it. That's why we read our Bible so that we will keep remembering that. We will need nothing more than the forgiveness of God because we will want God uh, when we face him if we are his people. Our greatest need is for forgiveness so that we might know the God who created us and go into eternity with him. Jesus suffered and died and rose so that we could be forgiven. That's the heart of the message. This is so important, but it is only the beginning of what Jesus has done and is doing. And so it's so important that he has the word Jesus began to. The whole idea of the word began is supposed to be so important because it is the beginning of what he is doing. It's not over. He's still doing stuff. And so that uh, Luke 24, when he summarised what Luke was about, that is the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead, goes on to verse 47 and he says, and repentance and forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed uh, in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And that's really a summary of the book of Acts. What's going to happen? The beginning was just his life, death, resurrection. The actual rest is everything as this is brought and taken to everyone in the world, right to the back end of the world in a place called Australia. Get to everywhere, right to the ends of the earth, that this message would be going out. It was only the beginning and going out really, uh, what God is saying, going out to many, many generations over many hundreds of years, actually thousands of years, there's going to be a lot of people in heaven and a lot of people near to here. And so what he was doing while he was preparing them for this message to go out to the ends of the earth, in verse 2 to 3, he gives them proof and facts to the original eyewitnesses of his resurrection. And we've already looked at this a lot in Easter, but let's remind ourselves in verse 2 and 3. Until the day he was taken up, that is, he ascended to heaven, after he had given orders through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 
So what was Jesus doing between his resurrection and between his ascension in those 40 days before he goes up? What he was doing was he was convincing the apostles that he had risen from the dead physically. He was convincing them over and over again, and he was continuing to teach them about the kingdom of God. Uh, He was reminding them that resurrection is really, really, really important. Uh, It's really, really important to know that death is not the end. I've got two funerals this week. I tried to dodge them, but I couldn't dodge them. Uh, You need to do them. They're a part of life. There's life and death. Two funerals this week. Uh, You need to know that death is not the end of those people. Death is not the end of you. Death is not the end of anyone. That is, resurrection from God through Jesus is to remind us that we all go on forever and ever. And so keep remembering, he was keep reminding them, death is not the end. Uh, It is also a reminder that his sacrifice was accepted. That the resurrection is the, the, the big tick, the big stamp of approval that Jesus' death achieved our forgiveness. And so it's the resurrection that reminds you that that worked. If he didn't rise again from the dead, his death did not work and it did not cover your sins and mine. But he did rise from the dead and therefore you can be forgiven. And you are forgiven if you put your trust in Jesus. It's also reminding us that he has conquered death. He has conquered the penalty. He has done and given us all that we need. Um, God gives us this resurrection, these eyewitnesses, so that we can be sure. Because if we're not sure, we will not get on with life the way it was meant to live. We will waste our life. We will not live life to the full. We will not help others. We will hardly help ourselves. And we won't help ourselves, really, till we understand that death is not the end and it is only a blink in eternity. And what Jesus was doing was... Uh, proving it, giving them evidence of it, uh, and he was preparing his followers. What was he preparing them for? To unleash this message, this gospel, on the world after he had risen. That was the job. That was what was going to happen. Jesus was going to keep working through them as they take this message out. Uh, So he spends time teaching them about the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is like a theme that runs through the Bible. It could be the theme that runs through the Bible. It's about God being a king, Jesus being the king, and that everyone who comes under that king is in God's kingdom, and God's kingdom will go on forever. You join the king, you join the kingdom, and you will go on forever in God's kingdom, not separated. And it's a theme that goes through the Old Testament into the New Testament, but is particularly picked up in the New Testament. And it is something that connects the whole Bible. And it is a call to come under the king, to be in the kingdom, not to be someone who knows about the kingdom or looks into the kingdom, but get in and join that kingdom. When we follow Jesus, we come under his rule and that king lays down his life for us. That king picks up his life for us and we will experience the same thing. That is, we will be forgiven through his death and we will be raised with him. And he ensures it. Jesus is king and he saves those who come under his rule. And so if Jesus is your Lord, he's your saviour. But if he's your saviour and he's not your Lord, he's not your saviour yet. He needs to be your king, your ruler, your Lord, the one you trust. And he lovingly, caringly, 
willingly says, I've done it all for you, for all those who follow him. And so uh, the kingdom of God is good news. He teaches them about the kingdom of God so they'll know they need Jesus as their king and that it's connected to the Old Testament and it goes into forever. And he goes on and he wants them to know uh, of uh, this is what God promised. So verses 4 and 5 are promised. While he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. This, he said, is what you heard from me. For John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus said, wait for it, wait for it. (laughs) Don't go out yet, wait for it. Uh, That is, God has promised to help you. God has promised a lot of stuff for you, but he's promised a new promise, a new covenant, a new thing that is going to work and be the last stage of God's plan for saving the world. And so you get this in places like Ezekiel 36. I will give you, God promises, a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. This is a promise that God made that would be unbreakable. Uh, God would deal with the problem of sin. The Old Testament people could not deal with sin. Sin. They chose sin over God. They chose curse over blessing. They just kept choosing to disobey God. And God had said there's going to be a new thing that was going to fix it. The final stage of what he was doing. And that was he was going to give of his spirit. And they would get a new heart that would want to obey and be absolutely forgiven. They would want to trust and obey him. He would change them. And this is what Jesus' death would, would achieve and the Holy Spirit would apply. He would give us a soft heart that we would run to Jesus, trust Jesus, hold on to Jesus, follow Jesus and believe that we are forgiven. And we have a heart that wanted to obey. We will be baptised with the Holy Spirit, he said. To be baptised by the Holy Spirit is to have God change your heart, to make you spiritually alive so that you will follow Jesus, so that you will know God, so that you will want to follow him. That is a miracle. If you want to follow him, if you do follow him, if you are following him, that is the miracle of God. You are spiritually alive because you need God's spirit. You need a changed heart to do that, to want to do that, to hold on to him and to follow him. Uh, He does this as we listen to the Bible, because when you bring the Bible, you bring the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. As we hear the Word, God comes. The Spirit comes and He works in us. He changes our heart. He helps us to know Him, to trust Him, to follow Him, to want Him, to know we are forgiven even when we fail. He wants us to know God's plan, God's promise that He would do it that he would forgive us, that he would change our hearts. And he wants us to know what it is that we do from then. Uh, and so he wants, to know, he wants us to know the plan for the future. And uh, what happens is we see in verse 6 and 7 that the disciples misunderstood what it was that God was doing in these last days, in this last stage in the new covenant. So look at verse 6 and 7 and see how they misunderstand it and how Jesus corrects it. 
So when they came together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know times or periods that the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive and we'll go on in a second. You see, here's the problem. They thought God's plan was to focus on Israel and restore it to its former glory, to the time of David and Solomon and when they were really in control of that part of the world. And many still make this mistake. Everyone keeps looking to Israel and to Jews and to what's happening there as what God is doing in the world. But they don't realise that God's concern has moved away from Israel and has moved to the whole world and always was on the whole world because Israel had failed to keep the old covenant. Uh, They were not being a blessing to the world. They were being a curse. As Jesus said, you are blind guides. You go follow, get someone to follow you and you make them twice as blind as they were before. They are not helping the world follow Jesus. They were not bringing the world to their Messiah. They had rejected their Messiah and ultimately God had rejected them because they rejected him. Uh, God was not, Jesus is not focusing on the kingdom of Israel. It was moving to the church. It was moving to the people of God who would be God's people as they joined Jesus and through them he was sending them out to the world. Uh, The true Israel, the new Israel, is everyone who would put their trust in Jesus, who was the Adam, who was true Israel, who truly obeyed God. And everyone who joins Jesus was joining God's people and becoming his people. His final step of salvation is not to get everyone to come to Israel, but to get everyone to come to Jesus and then to send them out to the world. And as we join Jesus through listening to his people as they bring his word, we actually join God's people. And what is left now, all that is left now, is for Jesus to return as his people go out doing that. But one other mistake also here in verse 7 is he said, it's not for you to know when. Do you see that, verse 7? It's not for you to know times or periods. It's not for you to know when Jesus is going to come back. It's not for you to know in which generation. It's not for you to know when he'll come back and fix it all. And yet so many people are focused on when Jesus comes back again. So many people are always looking. But God has given everyone, every generation, the signs of Jesus' return. We all have the signs that Jesus is going to return. Um, But when people start saying it's going to be this one and I know it, they're wrong They're sidetracked or they're a false teacher because no one knows the time of the day. It's not for you to know is the second mistake people make in looking for what God's doing. He's not focused on Israel. He's focused on the church who goes out to the world. He's focused, uh, is not on knowing the time when, just be ready because it might be today. We might not even get to Priest Place if that's where you're going again like you normally do or somewhere else. You might not get there because... You don't know when he's going to come. Just be ready for Jesus to return because it can be any time. How? By trusting the Lord Jesus, by following him, by being the people he wants you to do. But you, and he says to the apostles, to the, to the disciples, your job's not to know when, but I do have a job for you until I return. What's the job? 
You see, the Holy Spirit not only gives us a new heart, not only brings us to Jesus so that we will trust him and follow him, uh, not only so that we will know that we are forgiven, uh, but he also gives us power. He gives us power. So verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power, says Jesus. The Holy Spirit is power in our lives. Power to turn to Jesus. Hey, Cassie, do you own a black dog? Just wondering. Hello, Echo. That's good. Just give her a job to do. That's good. I could hear him wagging his tail, looking at me. He was about to come and get me and say hello, so I let her have him. Let's go. And so you will receive power to get the dog out of the room. No, no, no. You will receive power, says Jesus. You will receive power from the Holy Spirit when he comes on you. Uh, we see that in a spectacular way uh, with the apostles as they get tongues of fire because they're going to write the Bible and give us the Bible. But it is power to stand up for him, power to follow him, power to be his people in the world, to represent him, whatever comes. You see, how can we stand up for Jesus in our families, amongst our friends, at school, at uni, at work? How can we stand up? It's way too scary and it's way too hard. And God's answer is by the power of the Spirit, by the Spirit that's in you. The same power that brought you to Jesus when he brought you from death to life, when he opened your eyes to Jesus, when you suddenly started stopping ignoring him. That is a miracle in your life. That's God's work in your life. When he softened your heart to where you wanted to, to obey him, that is the miracle. That same power that brought you from death to life is also in you for standing up for him and not being ashamed. You see, God gives power to be witnesses for him. The apostles will be eyewitnesses and will have the special job of starting a church, carrying on Jesus' ministry of healing and of teaching, and they will write the Bible so their teaching is incorporated, so Jesus' uh, teaching is caught up so that we can hear it. But they will be witnesses, and then we will be witnesses through their witnesses. We don't have different words. We are to witness to their witness to the Lord Jesus. They will receive power. They will be witnesses. And they will go to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And that's the flow of Acts, the unstoppable gospel. It will not be stopped by anyone. It will go out to the ends of the earth. But you do realise to get to the ends of the earth, they didn't get anywhere near Australia, did they? How did they get the gospel to Australia? How did Jesus get the gospel to Australia? They passed it on to people who pass it on to people, who witness for Jesus, who pass it on to people, who witness for Jesus, who pass it on to people, who witness for Jesus, to someone who witnessed to you and told you of what Jesus had done and what Jesus had done in their life. And probably from someone with a life of integrity that showed that they did know Jesus and they did have a changed heart and God used that to give you a new heart that you too would call out on the Lord Jesus. And that's God's program. That's his plan. Not to focus on Israel, not to plan the date when it's going to do, but just to get people ready, to be ready yourself and to get people ready by taking out the gospel. And because that's how the kingdom spreads. That's Jesus. That's how Jesus is working. Jesus is working through you. Jesus is working through me. He's still working. 
He's still alive. Uh, he spread, it spreads, he spreads, he saves people, he grows people as we talk about Jesus. As we witness to the forgiveness that we have experienced, as we witness to God's work in our life, to the Spirit's life uh, work in our lives as he changed our heart, as we talk about how much we love him and care for him, how much we know him though we've never seen him, as we do that, God saves people. Jesus works through us. And so how do you curse your family? How do you curse the people you work with? How do you curse your friends? How do you curse your church? How do you curse your community? Like that. How do you bless your family? How do you bless your friends? How do you bless your community? Talk about what Jesus has done in your life, who he is, what he's done, and what he means to you. And so the kingdom spreads through us as we tell the truth. As we tell the truth. We have to tell the truth about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And now we're back to Luke. That's where the work happened. That's what he did. And we are to keep passing on who he is, what he did, and his great love and willingness to save people. And we are to keep reminding people, and now we're back to the start, that he will return. You've got to keep telling people that he'll return. Death is not the end. Jesus is not dead, and he will return. You will meet him face to face when you die, or you might meet him face to face tomorrow, but get ready, because he loves you if you repent, if you just turn to him if you just put your life in his hands, if you just stop ignoring him. He's not going to let you in because you're good, because you believe, because your parents believe, because your friends believe, because your mummy and daddy believe. He's going to let you in because you have put your trust in the Lord Jesus. You've got to keep telling people that he's going to return and that we need to be ready. So verse 9 to 11. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching uh, and a cloud took him out of their sight while he was going. They were gazing into heaven and suddenly two men in white clothes stood there and they said to the men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking into heaven? I think I would have been looking, wouldn't you? Anyway, uh, this Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way you have seen him going into heaven. He's going to come back. He's somehow, he's just going to, we're all going to, how he's going to do it? Out of the cloud, there's Jack, we're all going to know about it. And then it's too late to turn to him. It's too late to get ready. But it's going to be awful good for everyone who is ready. He is going to return. And he will return to judge and he will return to save those who have come under his rule, come into his kingdom, who love him and trusted him to forgive them. Just like when a woman is pregnant, the baby is coming and we need to be ready. So Jesus is coming back and we need to be ready. How do we be ready? By having Jesus as our Lord and our Saviour, as him as our King, and by getting on the task of telling people about who he is and what he's done in our lives, um, by asking him to give us the guts to do it, because it is scary. Why do we need power to stand up for him? Because it's hard. It's scary. But he's worth it. He stood up for us on the cross. Let's stand up for him amongst our friends and relatives. Where we work, where we go to school, let's stand up and be counted. Um, 
I always wonder when I see some of the hard things happen, like I wonder how Israel is going now, Israel Folau. How's he standing up? He's got the boot, my favourite player. Given the boot. I, how, how, how's he standing up? How's he... They've, just, they've really... The political correctness all focused at him. How's he standing up? The same way you stand up, by the help of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by knowing he's loved and he's forgiven and God loves him and he's in control of what's happening and so he, he'll be holding on. How do we stand up? By the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it yourself. I can't do it myself. But we can do it as we keep in step with the Spirit, which is listening to him and holding on to him and getting to know the desires of the Spirit that he puts in us and leaning on them rather than our sinful desires. But it'll take word and prayer and friends and encouraging one another. And so as we finish up, you know, what are you doing to help people know about Jesus? Uh, are you using your gifts? What ministry team are you on? Um, are you opening your mouth about Jesus? Um, um, I know it's scary, but keep asking him. Someone took the risk of telling you and other people are taking the risk of telling people, help me God, it's scary. It's okay, that's a good prayer. Help me God, it's scary. Keep doing it. Acts is written to encourage us, to remind us of who Jesus is, the resurrected king, and his call to trust him, to know we're forgiven as his people, and then to stand up in the power of the resurrection and witness for him till he comes back, knowing he will come back. Let's be ready by standing up for him. Amen.